Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello, and thank you for joining us on another edition of Reach for Hope, where there's always hope. Now, I'm Melissa Anderson. Today, we're going to discuss a topic of veterans' suicide prevention, and this is this is a big deal. With me today is Brad Evans, a licensed clinical social worker for the Department of Veterans Affairs here in Utah, and he has other titles among himself. Thanks for joining us today on the show, Brad. Thank you. Appreciate for being here. You're also on the Reach for Hope Coalition, so you have a passion for this as well. Tell us a little bit about your role at the VA and who you serve in what areas. Yeah, so I work for the Homeless and Justice Clinical Recovery Program. Um, we offer homeless services. We do homeless outreach. Uh, we offer some treatment-based programs for homeless veterans. And we also do veterans justice outreach, which involves educating the public on veteran-related issues supporting the courts, like our treatment courts, drug courts, and mental health courts, and also doing jail outreach, reaching out to veterans who are incarcerated and trying to connect them with resources that they are eligible for. Yeah. Now, all of those are risk factors Mm -hmm. for suicide. Um, And we want to talk a little bit about your credentials on that. You're, you're not a professional registered suicide prevention person for the VA, but you've, you've gotten some uh, information from the VA in regards to suicide that we're going to share later. Yeah, being a licensed clinical social worker, I am involved with suicide prevention, but we do have a suicide prevention specific team. Uh, we, all employees with the VA, uh, suicide prevention is a, a big passion of ours uh, because we recognize there are a lot of risk factors like you mentioned and we'll talk more about. But uh, the graphics that we'll see, they came from our suicide prevention team up in Salt Lake. Great. Thanks for the clarification. Now, you recently did a public service announcement that aired on behalf of Reach for Hope. Uh, It talks about veterans and suicide rates among them. Let's take a listen to that. Hi, I'm Brad, a member of the Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition. It might surprise you to know that military veterans are one of the most at-risk demographics for suicide. Unfortunately, in the U.S., we lose roughly 21 veterans to suicide each day. Reach for Hope honors our veterans for the sacrifices they have made to protect our country and preserve our freedoms. We thank you and want you to know that we are glad you're here. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide, please call the crisis line at 1-800-273-TALK or click now for more information. Now, that was a kind of a Spotify ad, so there's nothing to click on here, but you can always uh, look for, for that information and the crisis hotline, which we'll be sharing later. Let's talk about that. I heard you say 21 veterans per day. Is that correct? And tell us about this population and why it's such a huge deal. Well, you have to consider the fact that veterans come from all walks of life. So they deal with all of the stressors that any average person would deal with in addition to some complications due to service. Mm -hmm. And these are veterans who were deployed and veterans who weren't deployed. They have some unique risk factors on top of the ones that everybody else experiences. Right. Now, in a graphic that we um, had, it said something about uh, 7% of the population, um, but it accounts for 22% of the suicides across the United States. This is a huge population. So where do you think Utah veterans play in those statistics? I understand we have a much higher risk here than um, maybe the rest of the country. Is that correct? It is. I believe that we have some information that talks about that. Um, We recognize that in the Western states, and there may be some additional stats about that, that suicide prevention is 
is or suicide is in a bigger issue in the Western states due to a number of factors that people are continuing to research to try to figure out what we can do more to help. Right. And being an outreach specialist, you reach out to people who have those high risks, which we talked about. You said homelessness, uh, possibly PTSD from coming home from a war or just simply when they come back, they probably feel a little isolated and not really knowing how to connect. It is common for veterans who come back from deployment or even from other service to feel like others don't understand what they've been through. It's hard to imagine that people can relate to them. And so that sometimes they don't reach out or they just don't know where to reach out. Yeah. And you, you mentioned earlier, we have a much higher rate of suicide in the West. Tell us why that might be. Some research suggests that the altitude plays a role into that. Um, I believe we have some information that talks about serotonin levels uh, being different at higher altitudes and, and depression associated with that. Yeah. And we do have a lot of gun owners in the state. And anytime you have access to guns, which is the number one lethal way uh, method of, you know, one trying to harm themselves, that that's that's the way that works. Um, give us a little bit of facts about veteran suicides and um, what kind of a role um, the Veterans Administration plays in trying to prevent that. So we have a number of different programs that we're continuing to roll out because suicide prevention is a hot topic with the VA uh, we have, as I mentioned before, a suicide prevention team. Uh, all staff are trained in some level of suicide prevention. As you can see, um, we talked about how even though veterans are a small population they of, of the state, they have a higher risk of suicide and completion, largely part due to what you talked about with firearms. Mm -hmm. um, they tend to have a higher access to firearms than the average person, and that tends to be more lethal. Not to mention that they're trained on firearms. I mean, many of them might be firearms experts, correct, in the mm -hmm. field. That's what our military does. And it's a big part of their lifestyle. Yeah. So um, we talk a little bit about PTSD. Uh, what kind of help is out there for veterans who might be struggling and trying to fit back into this, this world after they've been gone for so long? It's important that veterans know that there is a wide range of help. We do have the crisis line as talked about, and there's a veteran specific extension on that crisis line. And that is staffed by licensed professionals 24 seven here locally. We have a number of resources. We have mental health treatment available through the VA outpatient clinic. We also have a vet center, which is a, a readjustment and counseling center for combat veterans and their families. The VA has developed a number of apps and other electronic uses to try to help people with suicide prevention. Are those being used? They are quite a bit. Uh -huh. They're used individually and they're promoted by uh, clinicians and staff and used in treatment. Wow, that's a, that's a great thing. I never even thought about an app for that. Um, I know we have app for apps for youth mm -hmm. and I'm not a big app person, but that's one that could really, could really help out. Um, so what are the most prevalent age groups uh, among veterans who might be considering this? So as, as we talked about, suicide is an issue among all populations, but we see here that the 18 to 34 year olds are at higher risk for suicide and that tends to go down with age and then creeps up a little bit more as people get towards the end of life. Wow. So the younger ones are having even more problem just right out of the get go. Um, and then also we have suicide among women veterans as well. Um, tell us about why that might be on the rise. 
Well, women are a smaller percentage of veterans, but they're a unique population. Again, feeling isolated, maybe that people don't understand and that they don't have a way to connect to others. And being isolated is a huge risk factor, whether it's physically or mentally or emotionally isolated. Right. Now, that uh, graph there shows from a 2017 how it's gone up, and it looks like about 300 is listed on that. For those who don't have the vodcast, they, they're listening to the program. Is that 300 per, um, it says total counts. So th- is that per year maybe? I'm not sure what that graphic totally meant, but at the same time, that's that's a lot of, of people who um, you know die by their own hand. Um, we know that most suicide attempts do, we talked about this earlier, do, do have to do with firearms. Um, and this is no different from veterans. Is there anything that the VA is doing to encourage veterans to, you know, lock them up or stow them away? I mean, they're probably used to cleaning them and taking care of them and, and do things with, and they probably own their own firearms. Is there something that you do to encourage, you know, them in a daily basis or a weekly or monthly basis if they've been having mental, uh, unstable thoughts? Of course. Obviously, we work with each person as an individual and talk to them about what they are and are not willing to do. Because when you develop a plan with someone, if it's not something that they're willing to do, it's it's wasted time because they're not going to follow through. We, like many agencies, offer free gun locks. Uh, we talk to people about options. Uh, people don't want to go straight from having firearms to getting rid of them completely. And so we talk about separating ammunition from si- firearms, locking firearms up in saves, creating some barriers that slow things down in that process uh, when they have those thoughts that they just can't access it right away. We get family involved and other supports when possible. Uh, Again, when the veteran is in agreement with that. Yeah, that's very important to have the family members there because often they see things and recognize things and maybe they're more quiet than other times and they can see and feel things that maybe other people out in the community might not see or understand. Um, we talk about gun locks and, and safes and things. And these are things that are actually available in the community all the time through various, even the Reach for Hope Coalition has uh, some gun safes for people who might have some mental um, you know, thoughts that are not quite taken care of yet. And they, they, they should probably make sure that they get a hold of that and then they can contact the Reach for Home Coalition or the hospital or anywhere to try yeah. to get a hold of that. I do think it's important that people understand that the person, we're talking about veterans here, but anyone who is suffering from thoughts of suicide to feel empowered that the plan is something that they came up with, possibly with help, but it's something that they feel is theirs and not that they're being forced to do it because then they're less likely to follow through. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to feel, I don't know, loved, engaged. How can we support them to help, allow them to understand it's okay to feel this way, but at the same time, we're here, we're here for you. Yeah, like you mentioned, we do need to feel validated. People's feelings not validated tend to cause more problems. And so acknowledging, oftentimes there's a stigma that talking about it makes people think about it. That's a myth about suicide. And it's important that we do ask the questions. That's a major part of most models of suicide prevention is that we're talking to the person, we're asking questions, we're recognizing signs. As loved ones, it's important that we are educated on what signs could be. Oftentimes people recognize that suicide is an issue, but they're not very educated on what they need to look out for and how to approach people. And so educating ourselves is very important. And I think you said a key word here, that's listening. 
Mm-hmm. If we listen, we're able to understand maybe where they're coming from and, and, and give positive feedback. Yeah. I think that most of us just kind of go through our daily routines and we don't really hear what people are saying. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. How we just kind of ignore it and go, oh, okay. Well, uh, we often think we're on the same page when we really aren't. We mm-hmm. can be having a conversation and be talking about two different things and not realize it. Right. Has uh, the suicide rates been uh, a problem or have they been worse since COVID? I know that there's some concern about the isolation of COVID and everything else causing more suicide. I know that there's some research being done on that. I think the fact that people are aware of that is causing people to reach out more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that in all across all populations that the rates are rising as much as some people might think, but it's always something that we're concerned about and trying to monitor. And especially among veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the things that the VA is doing right now, like in prevention strategies to help veterans? I believe we have a graphic for this one as well. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how they, they work on trying to make sure that these things are monitored and, and assessed so that they can eventually be prevented? Yeah, so for those that are looking at the graphic, the SPT stands for the Suicide Prevention Team um, with lots of things. There's acronyms, and it's important to understand those. We have suicide behavior and overdose reports, and so part of people's medical records, if there have been has been a history, there will be a report that pops up when someone enters the charts that we can be aware of that and understand the history and be monitoring that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's high-risk flags, which is another part of that chart where as soon as you enter, then there will be a notice that pops up so that people can understand what's going on and make sure that they're monitoring that as well. Uh, like many agencies, our treatment providers are working on suicide prevention safety plans with the veteran. Again, as I mentioned before, trying to make sure that that plan is coming from the veteran, that we're helping promote that and guide them, but that they're developing that plan so it's something that they feel is theirs, they have that ownership, and it's something that they'll agree to follow through with. We have a suicide risk assessment that many of our clinicians and providers are trained in and ask on a regular basis, especially for those that have those flags and behavior reports, because we wanted to make sure that we're on top of that and addressing anything before it gets too bad. Um, and, and, the, and then reaching out. Yes. Reaching to veterans to predict and prevent their suicide ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have those who are on um, high risk flags. We actually have a team that monitors them and reaches out to them on a regular basis. So among those, um, when we talk about a treatment plan or a plan to help them, um, I'm, I would imagine that that some uh, receive medication and it's probably free. Is that correct? It depends on someone's uh, financial situation and what their issues are that they're dealing with. The VA has something called service connection, which is their version of disability. Mm-hmm. And any treatment related to a service-connected disability is free to that veteran, regardless of their income status. And so if they if they may have some mental health issues that are service-connected, like PTSD or depression or some other things, then that medication would be at no cost. Others may have a, a small copay, depending on their financial status. And I know that it's hard for veterans to, to probably reach out and say, I need some help. Um, and there might be even some cases where they think, oh, I don't trust them to not tell everybody what my issues are or f- put the flag on there. How do you try to convince them that this is a better way to go than to just ignore it? Well, I would have to say that convincing can be a kind of a challenging word for people <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, 
I think that we're trying in our efforts over the last few years to educate people, veterans, loved ones, and the public more. That stigma seems to be going down some, and people are a little bit more open. But you're right. There are a lot of people who who are afraid of opening up and, and kind of admitting to what their issues are. And so education is a huge piece, normalizing some of that so people understand that these things are okay to talk about. Again, educating loved ones so that they can help encourage and be supportive it's, it's kind of a whole wraparound perspective. Right. Tell us about the Veterans Save Strategies and what that stands for. Yeah, so another acronym. I know <laughs> that there's QPR is very popular out in the public. And so SAVE is another acronym that talks about a model for suicide prevention. The S stands for signs of suicidal thinking. Um, that's people recognizing what those signs could be. Uh, a is asking the most important questions, asking if someone is having suicidal thoughts and other questions related to that. The V stands for validating the veteran's experience. As we talked about before, it's important that our emotions are validated so that we can then work through them. If we ignore them, then they just continue to cause problems in the background. Mm -hmm. And then E at the end is encourage treatment and expedite getting help, making sure that we're doing all we can to get veterans access to care as soon as possible. And if a veteran were to go to, say, your your vet's that where you were talking about, they can, can they just walk in and ask for help or they have to call, get an appointment? I, I know things have been kind of crazy with COVID, but tell us how that works. Yeah, that's a good question. So the outpatient clinic is not, uh, it's a primary care office, but they do have mental health as part of their specialties there. If someone came in in crisis, then they would be able to see a mental health provider. Uh, if they want to see someone for more long-term care, then that's something we would do to set them up for an appointment to possibly explore medication management if that's something that they're interested in or willing to talk about, and then also mental health treatment. Right, and I think that there's been a big coalition, or co- uh, you know, it's been to decided in the past that there's that those are all linked together, and and those who don't tend to self-medicate with alcohol or or drugs or something else to try to combat and push those feelings down. Yeah, self-medication can be an issue, and that does complicate things because now you're dealing with addictions in addition to suicide ideation and and the addictions and guilt associated with that and what may be causing with the family could be contributing to those thoughts. And so it is a a wraparound picture, as I mentioned. We have to come at it from all different angles instead of just focusing on one thing. Mm -hmm. Besides safe storage of guns and the SAVE training that we just put up there, what other efforts are out there for veterans? Well, as, as we mentioned, there's treatment available, uh, mental health treatment, medication management. There are support groups uh, for those who are not ready for that. As I mentioned, there's the apps. Um, there's the safe storage. And some people who are willing and recognize the value will, will have the firearms removed. But we look at that whole range from just what can you do within your home if you're not willing to let go of them to possibly removing them from the situation. And then I see something up there that says Zero Suicide Initiative. What is that? Yeah, there's a link for those that don't have access to the slides. It's zerosuicide.sprc.org. And that's an initiative that we're working towards. And we know that there's a lot we can do to prevent suicide, but we can't guarantee in every situation. But our goal is to work towards zero. We're not going to work towards, well, partial. We want to work towards that. And so that's an initiative that we're working on. there's, there's high-risk case management, like I talked about before, where the teams are reaching out to people and going into their homes in some cases, really trying to provide service where the veteran is at to increase the likelihood of success. It's probably really dif- difficult for the ones that you talk to that are homeless, correct? 
It can be, yes. And that's why we have our programs for those that are eligible. We try to get them housed and provide them treatment in hopes of helping develop stability and independence in their life. Right. That, that's the only way you can really look towards a success is to get them stabilized. Uh, how successful has the help that's been provided then to veterans uh, out there when it comes to, to the support that you've been offering? Um, it's been quite successful. There's a graphic here that talks about how veterans with VA care have experienced uh, over 16% decrease in, in suicide. And so we believe that, that VA care does save lives because the efforts that we're making are clearly demonstrating a decrease in suicide. Right. I see those statistics, 27.3%. Uh, um, that's an overall it, increase in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great to hear that, that somebody's finally reaching out, because I know for a number of years, veterans were the ones we always heard about that, that, that were really kind of falling through the cracks when it came to this. I think the education that I mentioned before, where we're really trying to help people understand what's available to them, and as I mentioned, normalize things, that it's okay to seek treatment has definitely made a difference. Right. What can a veteran do then if they're having these thoughts and they're not quite there, but they really don't want to reach out or they, they you know, they're, they're just kind of teetering on the edge. What can they do as their immediate help? And, and is it okay for family members to jump in at that time and, and call somebody. It is. Yeah. We have the, the suicide prevention. It's the crisis line. Um, and as I mentioned, there is an extension specifically for veterans. And the reason that we've developed a wide range of resources like the apps and other online resources, um, there's even, a, a support website that's specifically for veterans that they can go to anonymously, but there are a number of things that people can do to access care, whether it's by phone, by computer, by text, um, through an app. We want to make sure that we've covered pretty much all our bases. We even talked about how someone could walk into the clinic if they wanted to, um, so that no matter at what point someone's at, they, they have a way that they can reach out. Well, we need to give that veterans crisis line a shout out right now. It's 1-800-273-8255. And then you press one and you can chat online as well. If you have a computer at veteranscrisisline.net backslash chat or text to 838255. And those are really important for uh, veterans to be able to reach out to, to get help, um, you know, and I, I just think that everybody really needs to know those numbers and, and hopefully we can get that information out, especially to the family members that, that want help for their family members. Yeah, we try really hard to make sure that people have these things, these numbers and these resources are printed on a lot of different media, but especially in our rural community where people don't always have quick access to people in person, uh, it's important that people know that there is someone who, who they can call at any time. Yeah, and it is very important for everybody to, to understand this. It's suicide is everybody's business, correct? Yes. It's, it's everybody's business. And that's the, the last, um, that we're going to look at here is that, uh, you know, it's a suicide is everybody's business. Only 15% might visit mental health professional in the, in the month of their death. I mean, that's really low mm-hmm. and 75% saw a primary care doctor within three months of suicide death. 50% within a month and 20% within 24 hours. So we really need to come up with some kind of a systematic uh, approach that helps take care of these crises in, in a time of need. And, and uh, I think that if we all make it part of our business and reach out and help someone, 
that and not be afraid, right? Not be afraid to stand up and say, hey, we're here for you. We care for you. And that's what our our coalition uh, is all about. Any last final thoughts from you coming from your position and why you've decided to be a part of this coalition and reach out? Well, I think it's important, as you mentioned, that veterans are represented, that we do uh, identify that they have some unique characteristics and that we're doing things to try to assist them. But I agree that it is something that we all need to be a part of, which is why it's so important that we do this education so that people understand how they can help, what needs to happen, and people know that there's help out there for them. Right. And I'd like to put up another the, the hotline again for the Veterans Crisis Line for anyone out there who might be watching if we have that. I don't know if you still have that there. I guess it's a crisis line. Again, the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Uh, you can text, you can phone, you can chat. Um, and I understand that the, the people that get on the other line, they know this is probably confidential as well, correct? I mean, it they're is. not going to call up your family members and say, hey, guess who called in on the hotline? No, they won't. If, if someone says, I'm okay with you contacting my family so that I can get the support I need, then they will do that. But it's all, it's specifically for the veteran. We're not out trying to do anything that they don't want done. Right. We want to keep people safe. Yeah, we want to help them. Mm -hmm. We want to reach out because, okay, well, thank you so much uh, for joining us, Brad. I appreciate you being on the show, sharing your important information about veterans and the suicide prevention of them. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us. And remember, if you know someone who needs your help, reach out, reach for hope, because remember, they're not alone. You're not alone. There's always hope. Thanks for watching. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK because you matter and there is always hope. This has been a production from a podcast studio.